three, two, one. Let's go! I am the host of the PBE Podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, and I am sitting down at Ertech 2022 with Miss Susan Nash. And what's cool is we did a show in 2019 at Ertech. We did. And that was Denver. It was. And um, oh my goodness, we were just talking earlier about it's like time travel or some other planet, but here we are. And it, uh, but yet the enthusiasm is amazing today. Yeah, that's definitely the vibe I started getting around September of last year. I uh, went to the conference, WTGS Fall Symposium. Right. And when I was there, I was like, man, I see a lot of happy people. The operators, you know, mm-hmm. friends of mine that were there, they were happy. They were excited about kind of where they were in their career or where they were in the company and, and the outlook. And then the service companies, obviously, the, I think you you naturally need to be optimistic. You naturally need to have energy, like more energy than normal on the service side. But it was cool to see both. Clearly, you know, they were happy. Right. I mean, granted, there are some some serious challenges. I mean, right now, I mean, the price of gas is high, natural gas, also oil. And yet so are supplies and so are supply chain issues. And then in the plenary, plenary they were just talking about um, this whole issue of the impact of this commodities shock, global international commodity shock due to war in Ukraine. Right. And supply chain issues that continue and remnants of, of COVID issues. But that in, in general is, is kind of focusing us to realize we have to have an all energy solution. And so people are just using technology, whatever, to like come to, to um, optimize and improve uh, availability and deliverability of, of energy. Wow. Right on. Okay, so let's go back to 2019. What were you doing exactly at 2019? What was your title back then? And then what has changed, or if, if anything, uh, to today? Okay. Well, my title was Director of Innovation, Emerging Science and Technology. And um, I was basically doing um, kind of scouting and helping de- deliver content and, and find um, content and, and experts for our different events. And we were doing quite a few courses and on-site. This was uh, all through activities. AAPG. Yes, AAPG. Okay. Now, what has changed, um, and I feel really, really grateful for the flexibility of AAPG. I was able to put together um, three different kind of podcast series, or they weren't podcasts; they were basically webinar series. Okay. That one was pivoting 2020, and then pivoting 2021, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then thriving with change. And then one was APG Academy. And so we've been able to actually bring together experts that are, are continuing to innovate in, in the space and putting together, like, what, selling what they're doing in new technologies, okay. science, et cetera. Wow. Okay. So you've been very busy on the digital front of... Uh everything since 2019. It's been amazing. And, and I'm, I've had a lot of experience in the digital front. So it was like, it was wonderful to be able to actually put that into action. And we, we had some amazing experiences. One I think was our, our most um, popular was, was a, a, tied with uh, the Mars landing. Mm. And we had uh, 
people from NASA talking. But then we've been doing things in analytics, all kinds of technologies. And we, we just had great turnout. Right on. The seven seconds of terror when the <laughs> Mars rover yes, came in. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my gosh. The ingenuity of that whole thing was amazing. Personally, I think uh, Perseverance was better equipped technology-wise than the new one. What's the new one called? Curio no. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Curiosity. This Curiosity. one's called Perseverance. Yes. The new one's, okay, yeah. Curiosity, Curiosity was better equipped. It did rock eval paralysis. It did XRD, Oh, they're doing XRF. that now, aren't they? The new one doesn't have a, uh, uh, the, the rock eval machine on oh, it. Oh, okay. So I was thinking that's true. It is taking samples. Yeah, it's doing these little pencil course. Yeah. yeah, and it is. it does have the helicopter. Yeah, it's got the a rover. It's got a drone taking drone <laughs> footage on Mars. How does that drone handle the sixty mile an hour winds? That you know, the gusts up there, like, or maybe it's a hundred. The just the gusts of winds on Mars are like a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, but if there's no not as much atmosphere, I don't think they have. It's lighter. Yes, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not as heavy. <laughs> you can just I stand guess. there and like. I feel buffeted by 500 mile per hour winds, and I'm feeling nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense because it's it's mostly CO2, right? The atmosphere. CO2. I'm not a Mars expert, so I, I can't CO2. tell you that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of it. Nitrogen, maybe. Um, so, Director of Innovations Now 2022 mm -hmm. AAPG. Explain the integration of Ertech, or do you, what, what's the history of Ertech in general? How long has it been okay. around? Oh, this is our 10 year anniversary. Okay. So it's been around since 2012, and we started in um, Denver. And then it's just evolved from, from that. But it's, it's, it started out with SPE, APG, and SEG. And now it's evolved to have a number of uh, sustaining organizations and partners with ARMA and mechanical oh, wow. engineers, kind of like OTC. And as you say, I get involved in all of our big conferences. So it's interesting to see the, the, the difference in each one. Oh, I bet. The yeah, value must... propositions. <laughs> so for SP, Society of Petroleum Engineers. Yes. SEG, is that the economic geoscientists or uh, exploration oh, no, the, the geophysicists? The, uh, the geophysicists. Okay. And then AAPG. Yeah. Those are the three big groups. Right. And now we're seeing 10 more <laughs> these smaller societies that have come in yes, to join. Yes, yes. Why would they do that? Well, it's a, it's it's an opportunity to contribute content and and ah. to get in member engagement and just um, in some some of the cases they are actual partners, but some of the cases it's just a matter of showing that hey, you know, this is a place where we can come together and we don't have to have millions of different little events. Uh huh. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And then each. All societies usually have some kind of unique papers that are coming out of those societies that yeah. no one really gets to hear about. This gives them an opportunity to, to come on stage and, and uh, yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and there's a big emphasis on technology, which I just think is super exciting. We have our U-Pitch Pavilion, and we're kicking off at 11 a.m. each day, Monday and Tuesday. And so we have uh, – we start out with a, a panel of people who are like the, the – um, the, the looking for technology side. So we've got accelerators, investors, oh, technology cool. scouts, et cetera. And then we follow by 15 minute presentations by individuals who have new technologies or services. Right and we have some on. cool stuff that's coming around. Oh yeah, I've, I looked at that list, uh, Intercat's on that list. That's they, a good they one. Are, they are, they oh, are. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Is, yeah, Intercat's doing things to like, um, 
figure out ways to kind of instantly break up paraffin things oh, like that. Oh, it's going to change the world. Yeah, change it's that that technology is definitely one to watch. Oh, I agree. Um so you have a panel of people looking for the new technology, the new innovations, yes. and then you follow up the panel discussion with the people that are there with their new innovations exactly. and new technology. It's kind of matchmaking, and then right. we put it like an hour break between so they could talk to each other informally. So you can let them network mm -hmm. and say, hey, I really like that idea. Here's some business opportunities potentially behind that idea. Exactly. Because one of the things that I heard recently, which was interesting, is ideas don't get funded. Like ideas don't make money. Ideas are just ideas mm -hmm. and no one, you know, like, okay, cool idea. And they move on. But when, when you have the ability to identify the financial opportunity mm -hmm. with that idea and it's tangible, you say yes. you can own this, yeah. you can, you can get the revenue from production with this. That's the real mover. I totally agree with you. And and that's one of the things that we try to talk about. We don't try to micromanage or make this into like a a pitch fest, um, like um, say a new um, brew pub. What we try to do is say, here exactly is the value proposition and here's your business opportunity. Right on. And those are the ones who really do see results. And we, we've seen some amazing success stories over the, since we started doing it in 2017. Man. So, so 2012, Urtech becomes a thing. And yes. the, three, the three major societies say, yeah. we, need a, we need an event that comes together that focuses on the unconventional resources. Exactly. Can you explain simply what an unconventional resource is? Okay. Well... So a conventional resource from kind of old school perspective is like a, a vertical hole that just drills straight down and then goes for reservoirs that have high porosity and high permeability. Now with unconventionals, the idea was to, to exploit anything that's not conventional, which is usually um, very, very low perm. Mm -hmm. And so that could be shale, that could be very tight gas. Um, and so those are, and, and many times using the new kinds of approaches of technologies that we now look at as like pad drilling and, yeah. and, and kind of factory operations. But now things are changing and we are including things like uh, some geothermal, CCUS, yeah. things like that. That's included in our tech now? Yes. We've oh, included, you might have to change the name. Well, we've, we've, we don't have, it, the focus is unconventionals, but we've included a few panels and, and special sessions. And then another big, big focus is looking at the leasehold. And this is a huge thing for Permian Basin. You look at the leasehold and say, okay, this is um, a, an area that could have multiple sources of income. So maybe it's held by production, uh -huh. but let's do that. Let's look on the surface of, within that leasehold and let's go for the conventional shallower zones mm -hmm. and let's also see what we can do with energy storage with right. geothermal whatever but let's make this this one leasehold have three or four or five energy um, uh, opportunities and revenue streams yeah yeah i could i mean that's what's happening like with the brine lithium brine yes, exploration yes. yes uh interesting enough on the business side of that i think the the way that the leases 
historically were written to do business on oil exploration uh-huh. doesn't allow cleanly the idea of, wait a minute, there's there's value in the brine. Such and an interesting, yeah. such an interesting point. You, and oh my goodness. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so some cases they're going, oh, we found lithium in the brine, but the surface owner actually still owns the brine and you have to renegotiate now <laughs> the brine component, which is just a byproduct, right? Because the old timers, they just said, oh, it's oil. You wear water guys with an oil problem <laughs> or whatever they, yeah, you know, yeah. they, the old joke. And, and it's all a byproduct. Just get rid of the brine, get rid of the brine some way or another. There's no value in that, but that's not today. There's definitely value in the brine. And the geothermal. And right. nobody knows really quite how to, to deal with that. And, and so it's wonderful for landmen. Yeah. And, and the attorneys. I just like, I mean, I kind of celebrate that because I think that it's great to have a team and have teams where have everybody's to. thinking outside the box and yeah. how to do these. Yeah. These opportunities are forcing integration between disciplines. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Big deal. So back to your point about porosity and permeability between the conventional and unconventional. I was thinking about this room as an example. <laughs> so the unconventional play the conventional play is this. This room is huge, and there's probably like a hundred doors that can get you in the room. Mm-hmm. Conventional reservoirs, all those doors are open, and that's your permeability. And you have, <laughs> I like the, that you have the room, which is the porosity. Cool an, uncon- an unconventional reservoir is you have one door open, and you need to figure out how to unlock the other 99 doors. <laughs> And what we've been doing traditionally since 2012 is physically breaking down the doors. Right, right. I think in the near future, for sure, the development of the next 10 years is physically we can do a good job at literally beating down each of these doors and opening up that permeability to this porosity. But the chemical, the chemical reactions, I think, are going to be huge. I love that. You can chemically get in there. You can diffuse through the door. You don't have to physically break the door open. Yeah. I think we're going to see some some real innovations in that. In that I think front. we might. I, I totally agree with you. And I also think we're going to see a lot more in terms of of, of just experimenting with, with different kinds of sound vibrations. Mm-hmm. And just like, not to the point where we would do harm, but... Right. But something gently, gently oh, like liberating. Yes. And then, then also, I mean... I would love to see small scale ammonia production with the gas. I mean, and, huh. the, and the, I know that the large ammonia plants are incredibly, they take a lot of water, high, high temperatures are very dangerous, but they have now smaller scale ones where they can put small kind of lab sized ammonium um, gener- create with using the natural gas that's produced. Whoa. So in theory, we could make fertilizer on site. And then Whoa. just ship it over to the, to the farmers. Whoa. And you have a ton of brine that yeah. can be cleaned up to help them with their water problem. <laughs> exactly. So you got fertilizing and, and crop feeding with, the, with clean, cleaning up water. Man. Whoa. Yeah, that's really cool. I haven't I heard mean, there, much about that. There, there, there are some, um, some issues. So the, the technologies have to be kind of put in place. We have to look at different technologies for creating the ammonium ammonia to to not have it be so flammable and explosive and all that 
I'm going to talk to one of these geolog guys because we're in the geolog booth at 1949. We're having these discussions. I want to know how, because they're looking at the cuttings and the fluids while they're drilling in real time at the surface mm-hmm. of new wells. And now you're saying that there is, there's, there's going to be favorable places in the subsurface that are going to have the right gas chemistry that could be favorable for a, an efficient lab to be built right there to make fertilizer. Yes. They can look at the brines and say, hey, this is a pretty clean brine. It's not going to take much to clean it up to make it, you know, water accessible. At, at least for potable. agricultural. Yeah. Agricultural purposes. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a good discussion I, I, later. I, I do, too. I totally believe it. I mean, yes, we're not quite there with the technology, with the price, but everything is changing always. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're observation from studio engineer, producer of PV podcast, Anthony, the A-Train Nieto. He was here in 2019. He was standing there watching you do your show in 2019. His observation today and this morning was, it seems like Urtex about half the size than 2019. Do you agree? Um, well, okay, so that's a really good observation. So we've noticed that that um, on face-to-face co- conferences, overall, across all the industries, are tracking it between like 40 to 50% what they used to have used to be. And we're, we're doing, we're doing great. So, right I mean, on. yeah. So I don't know. And, and there's so much enthusiasm and there's, and, and it's the quality of the interactions. The people who are here are here to do something. They're engaged. That's interesting. That was another observation that one of the geologues, I think it was Neil Cameron at geolog. He said, yeah, the group might be smaller, but the energy is more. Mm-hmm. Is what he said. Well, people will say, "Okay, we can follow up with Zoom. We can follow up with Teams. We can email back and forth." But when we're here, we're here to do business and to find out things. We're engaged. Phones are in their pockets. Notepads. <laughs> yeah. They're taking business cards. Yeah. They're- LinkedIn immediately. <laughs> uh, all right, we are at uh, somewhere around a hundred and twenty dollars a barrel right now. We're over seven dollars in MCF. What are, what are you hearing or what do you see in the next few years as, as the a main focus for operators? Is it onshore, offshore? Is it exploring in, in other countries? Is, is the United States, does it seem like it's really coming back? The drilling and, and the, you know, the, the amount of money that the industry is trying to make again with production. How are we picking up production at these prices? Well, I think that whoever can do the low-hanging fruits doing it, in terms of long-term um, first oil, in terms of offshore, we're seeing companies seeing a long-term commitment, knowing that the time to de- develop is during a downturn. So they took advantage of that in Namibia, Guyana, et cetera. But if we're looking at um, right now, this is just a personal opinion. Mm-hmm. If I'm looking at something in a five-year time horizon, do I think that the price of oil will be $120 in five years? Um, probably not. Okay. So I'm going to try to do my economics on $50 barrel oil. Right. Uh, forecasting. But then you get, you get the issue of what will my costs be? So I think that there's a little bit of uncertainty. However, however, with so much pressure for energy transition and, and clean production, I think that there's still a commitment to continuing to, to go forward to get energy that's clean. Okay. Yeah. So there's still, that's obviously a big push. 
and uh, and where everyone is going generally in, in discussions is kind of decarbonization uh, mm -hmm. idea. And that's yeah, that's that's really fascinating to to keep an eye on. I think the innovations that I I believe are mostly going to help with the decarbonization is the way that we store and transfer electricity, not so much the way we make it, the way we generate it, which is burning burning oil and gas, burning uh, coal, uh, wood. You know, there's all these things that are are pretty. Uh, aggressive on how to generate the electricity when it comes to how much carb CO2 it's it's producing in that process. The the only way that we can get away from that, I think logically, is not by solar, wind, and and those things. They they have their space, but it's very, I think, very limited and very specific. We're not going to get away from the most reliable and efficient energy, which is oil and gas or nuclear, maybe. But I think what we can do is, is transfer it and store it way better than before with a, with a substance like graphene, graphane, those oh things. Oh, my gosh. I love what you're saying. And another thing, too, like, OK, so with all these opportunities for, say, using new information, say, provided by Geolog, um, using new information so you can do those multiple sources of income, turn some uh -huh. into water, turn some into electricity, turn some into um, ammonia fertilizer the key is is to have a local solution because although electri electrification and and and, uh, and going to total electric for the for the grid mm -hmm. is a great idea there's not enough copper on the planet <laughs> to, to do all the transmission lines yeah the whiteboard <laughs> is a great idea guys but we got a little bit of a problem here like, so we've got to like we've got to have to find local solutions to yeah. do the communities first like yeah and not have a lot of waste as we even try to right. transport for right. it <laughs> wow fantastic susan nash i always enjoy catching up with you I thank you for all the time and effort you put into the AAPG, to Urtec, to UPitch. Uh, you've been doing it since 2017. It's a lot of work. And the idea <laughs> that, you, well, I bet it's, you, you must meet some really, really interesting people, but the idea to help them and say, look, you're the innovator, you're the scientist, you get it, but you're not, you're, you need help with the management of, of why it's practical, why you need funding today. And you're doing that for these innovators. You're doing these, you know, these geniuses that have these new technologies and these new ideas. You're streamlining them to the potential of, of actually doing something with that. And you're affecting people, you know, personally through what you do. And that's, that's cool. I appreciate well, that. Well, thank you, Troy. And I love what you're doing with the PB. Um, podcast and what i like about it is that yeah maybe pb stands for permian basin but it applies to everyone everywhere yeah. people beyond energy maybe that's what it should stand <laughs> for people behind energy people oh behind i like that people behind energy <laughs> that's really good um but yeah no we we and, are yeah we're yeah i want to say it. thank you to anthony He's, he's great. <laughs> he is the man. And the, and the nice host of geolog yes thank you geolog for the hosting uh thank you susan nash Thank you.